Welcome to Tech Bytes in this special edition. I'm Craig Young, I'm the CEO, and this week we're talking with Julia Shellcrass about the great resignation across the world and in New Zealand and looking at the opportunities that it presents. I hope you enjoyed this special session. Kia ora. thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, so my name is Sophie Ricketts. I'm one of the members of the lead team for Flint in Christchurch. Uh, I currently work as a learning designer for a company called Like-Minded Learning. We design and build uh, e-learning. Uh, we do it bespoke uh, for lots of other companies. Um, I've been involved with Flint now for four years and I'm really, really excited to uh, help host and facilitate uh, this digital experience today. On behalf of our team and two ands, it's great to be able to bring you this webinar. Our, it would have been our preference to do it in person, but at the current alert levels, it's just not possible in a way that would meet our objectives for networking and really getting people to connect with each other. So we decided we'd open it up, make it digital, and this way, no matter where you are in New Zealand, you can join us. So one positive is you don't need to do a health and safety briefing or tell you where your bathroom is, because you should already know that. Uh, but one thing I do need to remind you is how to use the Q&A function. So you can find that on your screen, uh, depending on what type of device you're on. On mine, it's the bottom. So it's um, it looks similar to chat, uh, but it is clearly labeled Q&A. So it's just a little bit different. Um, and the icon's got uh, two speech bubbles instead of one. Cool. Uh, Alrighty. So yeah, we're going to be doing a Q&A panel after our speaker, Julia, does her presentation. I don't know about you, but I've been very fascinated by the term that we've been hearing and reading about called the great resignation. I know that the pandemic has led many of us to think about our current careers, our future career moves, maybe thinking about making some significant changes or potentially even going out and doing something on our own. Tonight, I'm really, really thrilled that we get to hear from Julia Shawcross on this topic, and she's going to particularly be focusing on the question, what should we, uh, sorry, when should we think about stepping away from what we do now? Julia is a woman of many talents and many roles. She is a qualified employment and privacy lawyer, um, and she's a thought leader in HR. She knows her stuff, but what really sets her apart is her style of delivery. Julia speaks in plain English, so she's easy to understand. She presents with empathy and humor. She's engaging, fun, and friendly, and she's a very good friend of mine. It is my absolute pleasure to hand over to Julia and welcome her to your screens. Julia, please take it away. Kia Thank you so much, Sophie, for that wonderful introduction, and welcome everybody who's tuned in so far this evening. So I am Julia Shellcrass from Kiwi Boss, and I specialize in delivering people management training and HR training. So the great resignation is what I did myself about five and a half years ago. Um, so I uh, was a little bit uh, perhaps before my times because, of course, now um, the phrase has been coined because so many people are jumping ship during and uh, perhaps hopefully almost post this pandemic. And that's partly because of the uncertainty that many of us are feeling. Maybe we enjoy the flexibility from working from home and the work-life balance that we're striving for. So we're going to be looking at the great resignation, also known as the big quit 
today. So I made this leap about five and a half years ago to set up my own employment law training company, Kiwi Boss. And I'll share my journey uh, about that with you tonight. But the first thing I want to say is when I worked in employment law, I was always the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. So I might work for months with a particular client on a particular matter uh, where they might have been taking something uh, to the employment court or the employment relations authority. And um, and as a result, I would be spending a huge amount of time um, but I didn't feel like I was making a massive difference. So now I talk to many, many people managers and empower them with the knowledge so that they don't make the mistakes. So we are going to set up the first poll for you this evening, which is, what did you want to be? So imagine yourself as a kid again, maybe you were nine or 10 years old, perhaps younger or older. But the question is, what did you want to be? And so I'm going to set up the poll right now. And if it's something else, something that's actually not on this poll, so the poll is um, doctor, nurse or vet, firefighter or police officer, actor or dancer, or something else. And um, I'm just going to just check my technology for a second that I've got my power connected. Brilliant. Okay, so people who have said other, could you please put into that chat function um, which one it is? Which of these? Um, it's obviously something completely different that we haven't already named. So if you could put that into the chat, what it was that you wanted to do. Because if I end the poll, you'll see that most people have said other followed by actor or dancer. And we don't actually have anyone who wanted to be a firefighter or police officer here this evening. So thank you so much. We've got Craig saying pilot. We've got uh, Anand saying pilot and Claire, archeologist. Okay, fantastic. So I'll just let you check out that poll for a second. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that possibly none of you might have wanted to have worked in digital technology, website design, or, uh, or anything that you are currently doing. And certainly when I was a young person, I didn't strive to become an employment law presenter. It's something that we grow into, right? And I think that's uh, key to running your own business or deciding your next move is thinking, where will this take me? And knowing that it isn't necessarily what you wanted to do when you were young, it, you grow. And as you grow, you might develop from the role that you might currently have into something else. And your business might also grow from, you know, this where it might start organically into something new. And certainly this is what my business has done over the last uh, year uh, since the pandemic. But ironically, and I'm going to share this with you this evening, it's actually grown in the way that I wanted it to grow. So a little bit about me, and please excuse the photo where I look much younger. Um, as you can see, I've been in business a while. Uh, so Kiwi Boss is about helping you create better workplaces. And we do this by delivering public courses, in-house training, and online training. So we deliver it, I'm based in Christchurch, as is, of course, Sophie. Um, 
And so I do deliver here in Christchurch, as well as throughout New Zealand, like I do and can travel, but I do a lot less of that now. And I'm glad about that because uh, I'm going to explore the reasons why I'm, I'm glad that I do mostly online now. So a little bit about me. I am originally from Southland. Uh, you're not likely to hear the rolling R unless I'm quite tired or have had a drink and neither apply tonight. I studied uh, a Bachelor of Laws and a Bachelor of Arts from the University of Otago and I graduated in 2004 and I was lucky enough to have studied creative writing uh, at Iowa State University for one semester. So I took a student exchange for one semester and got to study overseas, which was absolutely brilliant. Uh, and if you also, like me, uh, studied uh, in Dunedin, if you could please raise your hand through the function. Thank you. I'm just gonna see if there are any other Dunedinites. So I will now share with you a little bit about the early jobs that I held. So one of the first jobs I had was in legal publishing after leaving university. And that was a great job in terms of learning to dot the I's, cross the T's, um, quickly skim a huge amount of text. Uh, and I made some fantastic friends. I do have to admit, however, I found the job a little bit boring. And it's not something that I'd probably recommend to someone like myself. So I'm a little bit of a, a natural extrovert. I like to meet people and help people. And I didn't feel like I had enough of that in that job. So my next position was actually uh, in legal education. And I had a, a community law role at, uh, at a Nelson Bay's community law service. And I found that was a fantastic role to have. I worked in a wonderful team and I got to go out and uh, meet a huge number of community organizations and schools. And, um, and I taught people about the law and made it relevant and practical for them. I also studied a short adult education course, which was hugely helpful. I then got a job in a, a litigation firm and I, uh, I did a lot of general litigation. So criminal, family, I was your girl if that was uh, something that you needed. Um, however, what I really loved when I was working there, I realised what I really loved was employment law. And my reason for loving employment law was it was a fantastic mix of both business and people. So that was why I decided to specialise in employment law and I worked for a, a boutique employment law firm that was based uh, in Queenstown. I worked there for a few years and then for a Christchurch firm called Duncan Cotterill. So that was uh, a little bit about me. And it was, um, so Duncan Cotterill was my final job and I was working there um, up to a couple of years after I'd had my daughter. But it was actually a few years earlier that I had the idea to run my own employment law training company. So it was not um, sort of, um, uh, you know, inspired necessarily just by having a family. It was because I was inspired by the fact that I love training and I loved empowering people managers and HR professionals to get the law right and to create a positive working environment. So many of us spend so much of our time in our jobs that we want to be in a place where we're happy, right? We want to be in a place where we feel we're productive, where we've got a purpose, and we feel we can make a difference. 
So that's what I wanted to provide to others and their workplaces. And I wanted to have that experience myself. I am from um, a family where both sets of my grandparents and my parents all ran their own businesses. So um, by the time I was uh, sort of early 30s, I took the plunge and decided to set up Kiwi Boss. Now, there's never a right time to necessarily launch your own business, but where I got lucky, and I'm just going to share a couple of reasons why I was lucky, and one was I had a safety net of an income already, so I didn't just leave a law firm and go off and do my own thing and immediately. I started working as an HR lecturer at Ara Institute of Canterbury. They had uh, a couple of papers for me to uh, teach. And I also did some work uh, in facilitation through Southern Institute of Technology, known as SIT. And I did that mostly remotely. Uh, so that gave me some great skills and experience, as well as contacts with some of the students who could then assist me at KiwiBoss. So I, um, I really enjoyed those roles, but they were really a launch pad into starting my own thing. But they gave me um, the opportunity to start my business while still having an income, which is not what every person has when they leave the organisation. And one of the options that I'm going to uh, talk to you uh, this evening about is if you do leave your organisation, perhaps before leaving, you can actually you know, have an upfront conversation as to whether they might still hire you as a consultant, as a contractor, uh, if you were to leave your role. You know, whether there would be any opportunities to work alongside them if you already have a good relationship. The other thing I'd like to mention is I was working part-time as a lawyer when I left the law firm. So it wasn't like I was leaving, you know, this massive, massive income because, of course, I was not working much more than probably half-time. So it wasn't the same as perhaps someone who might be the sole breadwinner for, um, for your family. Um, it was quite a different situation in, in that I was a part-time earner and that my husband was also earning um, so I would like to share that with you because sometimes when you watch, I don't know about you, but I watch quite a lot of, you know, gurus who tell you uh, how to set up a business, how to launch and make seven figures straight away. And sometimes they don't really tell you about safety nets and, um, you know, how they get funds. Um, I've never uh, gone into debt for my company. I will share that with you. So, you know, I've never taken out a loan or done anything like that. So I've been lucky in that respect. And because of that, I won't be able to share with you different ideas for funding tonight. Okay, so Kiwi Boss, what was the purpose of it? Well, the purpose of it was to create better workplaces and to solve businesses' real problems. So while I enjoyed HR teaching, I was aware that I was teaching students not necessarily just for the real world, but partly so that they could pass their exams and their assignments and um, get good marks on their papers. Well, what I really wanted to do was to help real businesses, um, real uh, people who are struggling in their jobs and helping them um, create change. And just one other thing I'd like to mention is that I've spent a lot of time in my business partnering with other organisations. And I think this is a fantastic way of making sure that you do earn a living. And I'll just share that with you now. So um, one of the organisations I partner with is called the Human Resources Institute of New Zealand. 
and we provide virtual half-day courses in collaboration together for their members as well as for non-members. So their members are predominantly HR professionals throughout New Zealand. I also partner, um, well, I don't partner so much with, but I um, am a contractor to Brightstar, which is a training company within New Zealand, one of New Zealand's leading training companies. And they engage facilitators like myself uh, to focus on what they are best at and to train groups of organisations in-house. I also provide regular webinars through CCH Learning. And I might provide, for example, at least perhaps 13 to 20 webinars through CCH Learning each year. So that's a little bit about me. And I would like you to know that I do work alongside other organisations. I'm also always open to, um, you know, to speaking for free engagements, for conferences. And, you know, if you'd ever like to talk to me about any speaking engagement, um, please feel welcome to get in touch. So through Kiwi Boss, we deliver in-house training directly to companies and, um, and we've also provided some webinars which we've advertised uh, and promoted ourselves and we've got a, a fantastic course which I'm going to share a little bit about with you today. So right from the inception of Kiwi Boss, I wanted to create an online training course. I wanted to go big time into online training because I was aware that there are so many Kiwis who work and live remotely in so many different areas of New Zealand. Uh, you know, we have um, people who might be living from Bluff right through to the far north of New Zealand. And, um, and actually, that's forgetting about Stewart Island. So, you know, obviously, New Zealand uh, has a very far, far range. And the best way to make sure that it's accessible for everyone is to um, put it online. But before I got to that, um, I had employed a small team of presenters who would work for me on a fixed term basis, um, providing um, training through Kiwi Boss around New Zealand. And then from March last year, we have been, of course, knee deep in the COVID-19 pandemic. That made some massive changes for my training company. For starters, a lot of people wanted some, uh, some webinars and training in the short term about the effects of COVID-19. But the bad news for me was that my public courses for the entire year had been cancelled. Um, oh, sorry, there was one training provider who was still happy to do them, but we did them mostly virtually. So everything else had been cancelled. So that's when um, Hirins and myself decided to run some half-day virtual courses. And through CCH Learning, I continued to do webinars and I decided, you know what, I need to create that online training course, which I've been planning for a few years. So I went back to the drawing board and I watched quite a few courses. I watched um, many training sessions about how to create an online course and um, how to put it up on a learning management portal um, how to use things like Infusionsoft and ClickFunnels. And, um, and one of the biggest learnings for me is that you only really need one signature course. So sometimes we think we need to be a jack of all trades. 
And I'd like you to raise your hand now if, if that's how you feel, maybe in your business and you think, well, maybe I'm not quite ready to run my own business because I'm really, really good at this one thing, but I'm not fantastic at everything in terms of technology. So if you could raise your hand, if you feel that's you, you feel like you've got to be a, a bit of a jack of all trades. So we're getting a few uh, hands up. Fantastic. Now, the truth is you don't um, to run your own business. You do have to be prepared to outsource. You need to be prepared to collaborate and partner with people. Um, but certainly I am not, um, you know, a jack of all trades. And even my courses, you know, when I looked at them, I thought, what do I want to focus on? And um, and so I had a few um, meetings with various HR professionals who said they it was almost um, uh, almost the same right across the board what they wanted. This is what they said: a number one problem in every workplace is this managers are not properly managing staff performance they don't quite know how to manage they're not telling us as HR professionals uh, when we need to to start helping and as a result their team performance is lacking so we need to help them improve team results and that was the basis of Leader's Guide to Performance Management. So I didn't just pluck the idea out of thin air. I had um, in-depth conversations with people. I didn't just want to send a survey to people. I feel like surveys sometimes have had their day, you know, in terms of, you know, only getting the surface of what people want. Um, I asked in-depth questions. And actually, the Leader's Guide to Performance Management wasn't going to be the course I would have provided, um, but it was the course that people said they needed. So um, that was that's my signature course now. Uh, I do lots of other courses. I can provide training on almost any employment law topic. And I also do privacy law training as well. But the fantastic thing about the Leader's Guide to Performance Management is people who have done the course have said it has made a difference and they've learned so much. Um, so the sort of people who have attended often are new managers. They might be a technical expert. They might be an engineer who was awesome as an engineer. Um, but they have experienced some difficulty when it comes to um, people management. Other people who have attended, I've had one person who's been a manager about 13 years, but has had just so much grief with their staff, and they wanted to know uh, better ways to motivate and manage staff. So we've had um, a real mix of um, different people from different industries, and uh, they all agree that this particular course is useful for people managers in any industry. So... Um, the fantastic thing about pivoting my business uh, because of COVID is that it now is living values that I attempt to live by myself. And one of them is I always wanted Kiwi Ross to be mostly a green company. And it is because um, I do barely any travel. My attendees don't have to travel uh, to attend and they don't even need to print. So uh, almost everything um, is downloadable and fillable online. And by that, I mean, they can complete it. Um, you know, there's space for them to fill in um, by just um, typing, and then they can save it to the desktop. There's also um, 
more family time for me because I can just put my um, my two-year-old son into preschool, my daughter into school, and I'm there for all pickups really early, um, which is super convenient, and I'm not traveling all around New Zealand. And then the best thing is that for the people attending, it's accessible and it's cost-effective. So you need to think about what drives you. What is it that is your passion? What is your mission? What are you setting out to achieve? What's your vocation or your career that might stand by you, possibly for life? And do you have a profession? And the Japanese call this the ikigai. And what this is, is it's a purpose, our overarching purpose which drives us to do what it is that we meant to do. So I do have to confess, money isn't my sole driver. I have so much um, joy that I get out of helping people managers and helping HR professionals. But there are other things that drive me as well. So one I mentioned already, my personality. Um, I was definitely more extroverted than a publishing firm would usually allow, and more so than an employment lawyer. Um, the next is values. Think about the values that you personally have and whether they properly align with the organisation where you currently work and possibly your dream organisation of where you'd like to work or the company that you'd like to create. And then the other thing that, of course, might drive you is your lifestyle. What lifestyle do you want to live? So over this great lockdown that some, um, some of you attending from Auckland are, are still currently really living in, um, I've had people say to me, you know, um, the best thing about working from home is I actually live so close to the beach and I get to walk along it um, at an early time every day. Now, something that drives me is the freedom to have a life outside of work. So pictured here, I've got um, my daughter, who is um, a, a bit of an explorer. She loves her skiing. She loves her dance. And then I've got my little son, who's two years old, and um, he's got his tongue hanging out here, and he does identify as a dog. So that's a little bit about um, my two kids. And the wonderful thing about going freelance is it does give you the freedom to have a life outside of work. So... Now is the time that you might uh, have the opportunity to choose whether you stay where you are, whether you leave for another organization, or whether you leave to go out and do your own thing. So I am going to launch another poll. If you already work for yourself, um, please feel welcome to put that in the chat. So this poll has the following questions. Are you interested in staying in your job, but having a side gig, new employment, working as a contractor, working for yourself or something else? Okay, so I'm just going to end that poll and I'm going to share those results. Okay, so as you can see that um, most people attending today um, are interested in staying in their job but having a side gig or new employment.
and um, the minority are thinking of working for yourselves. So thank you for answering that poll because it is useful for me uh, in presenting today. Now, when it comes to choosing, remember that staying is a choice as well as leaving is a choice. And that every project that you take on, if you work for yourself, is also a choice. Sometimes when I tell people that I work for myself, I think I oversell the benefits of working for yourself. So, for example, someone said to me recently, oh, I wish I was you, you know, barely working any hours and making so much money. I thought, oh, I think I've oversold this. Um, so don't necessarily believe all of the gurus when they say they were a seven-figure entrepreneur overnight. Um, and keep in mind that living the dream might be a little bit more than just making a huge amount of money. It can also mean things like flexibility. If you are thinking about working for yourself, um, do keep in mind that these are things that you can miss out on. And I, I'm reminded of this all the time because I do HR training. I do training in things like the Holidays Act, and I'm acutely aware that these are things I am not able to get myself. So one is paid sick leave, another is a regular payday, and the other, of course, you might be seeking a promotion uh, within your job. So always think about your why. So whether it's um, staying where you are and perhaps having a side gig, um, thinking about the purpose. How will you make a difference? How will the product or service that you're thinking of creating make a difference for others? What is the emotional impact on others as well? Because it's useful to know um, in terms of marketing what it is that you do. And one of my favorite Kiwis I have um, put on the slide, I heard her speak. She's absolutely fantastic. If you ever get the opportunity to hear Lisa King speak, um, you won't regret it. She's amazing. So she was the founder of, um, of Eat My Lunch, which is a social enterprise where you buy uh, a lunch and then you get another lunch uh, to give to hungry school children who might not otherwise have had lunch that day. Um, and she's also more recently started AF Drinks. Okay, so the other thing that might drive you is your personal values and your goals. And just keep in mind that what makes you different is what makes you you. So if you feel like you're not a good fit in the organisation where you currently are, then keep in mind that perhaps another job might um, provide other opportunities for you, or perhaps creating your own company could be the way to go. Also, staying is a lot harder than leaving. If you're in a workplace which is toxic or there's, we're not being um, fairly promoted, then keep in mind it's actually easier to leave. So the big question is when? When should you leave? Well, think about um, if, for example, you are going to a new job or you are starting your own business, if there are any legal requirements, like, for example, is there a no competition clause in your employment agreement? Also, if you're thinking of um, starting your own thing, um, do you have any other income that could support you in the meantime? And can you freelance to your current employer or any other previous employer? 
Do you have the skills already or is there any area in which you need uh, to outsource and you need to be able to budget for that? Or do you have the ability to quickly upskill? And then the final thing that you need to think about is that you must accept that if you choose to leave, then you're giving up any opportunities where you currently are, whether that's in terms of promotion or other career progression. If you're thinking of working for yourself, would you rather work in a co-working space or work from home? So I worked for um, some time at a place called Saltworks in Christchurch, which was formerly known as Biz Dojo. And the fantastic thing about um, a place like Saltworks is you've got lots of company, you've got people to do um, quizzes with, uh, you've got people, you know, to bake with, and you've got a place to meet your clients, um, and you've got potential colleagues as well. Um, you do need to think about confidentiality if you work in a co-working space in terms of, you know, whether other people might hear you on your phone call, and you need a password if you're going to be doing printing. If you work from home, the beauty of that is that you've got a quiet place for some clear thinking. Um, but do keep in mind that sometimes a workspace at home, you know, if you're slouched on the couch, that's probably not going to be that effective for ergonomics or for deep thinking. So make sure that you do get a, um, a quiet space, you know, your own home office. Um, the beauty of working from home is also that it can save on cost. If you are going to be um, going at it alone, whether you're creating a side gig or you're starting something up, make sure that you do join associations like Flint and Two Ends so that you are aware that there's other people who you can bounce ideas off and that there's regular events and training. You might also want to create a partnership or a joint venture with others. You might also want to create a company uh, with other directors. Just make sure that they are aligned with your values. And if you are thinking of getting a director on board, you might want to get some testimonials from others who have worked with them before. Um, also consider things like um, intellectual property, how you're going to retain that if you work with others and whether you're going to get acknowledgements. So for example, if you create a website, will it say that's your logo at the bottom of it that you created that website? Uh, one thing that you can do, and I've done this a little bit, is done overflow for organisations where they were in between internal people. So in other words, um, they had a gap because they, um, they didn't have enough internal staff um, to perform all of the roles. So they got me on board as a freelancer. The only downside of that is once they do perhaps choose to get uh, another employee on board, then you might lose that contract altogether. I also, working with organisations, like I mentioned, I work with Bright Star Training, they engage contractors. So you can look around to see who might engage a contractor like yourself. And keep in mind that it's good not to be a jack of all trades uh, and that you can go to others for things like marketing, for graphic design and for help with your accounts. And as you grow, you might also want to employ others. It's useful if you choose a mentor, and I know um, that there are mentor uh, associations where you can find out uh, how to get a, get a business mentor, or you might even approach someone and actually ask, look, um, would it be okay if you were like a mentor, you know, maybe um, talk about it with them as to what that looks like. 
like catching them up a couple of times a year. Do beware burnout. And I'm just going to launch the final poll today. So burnout is where you suffer complete exhaustion and perhaps even become quite cynical about what you do. So who do you think is most likely to get burnout? The person who hates their job but does it anyway or the person who is passionate about what they do? Okay, so just another couple of seconds on this poll. Thank you. So the overwhelming amount of people are saying that the person who hates their job but does it anyway is most likely to get burned out. Actually, literature suggests that it's a person who's passionate about what they do. I'm sure both could get burned out. Um, but if you are passionate about what you do, and I've suffered, I haven't suffered from burnout, but I've definitely um, worked too many hours working for myself. And that's because you absolutely love what you do and you want to become amazing at it. So you just keep working and working and working past the point of really being effective. Perfect. So just a couple of things to keep in mind here. One is to try to restore work-life balance. You can do this in a number of ways. Uh, one is um, not to receive your work emails on your phone. Another is not to go to sleep in the same room where you have your phone. And then the other real big one is to multiply your time. Now, there is a TEDx speaker called Rory Vaden who created the time management funnel. And I've changed this time management funnel that he created somewhat. Um, the first question you need to ask yourself is, does the task even need to be done? Um, because if you can eliminate it, that's the best thing to do. If not, can you reassign? Can you give it to someone else to do? If not, can you automate it? If you can do something three times within your business, you should automate. If you can't automate, consider whether you can outsource, you know, by getting another company or a freelance contractor to help you. And if you can't do any of the above, then delegate to someone within your team if you employ someone. And then the very final thing you, you can do is do it yourself. So if I have um, a project on my desk, I try to immediately think, does it need to be done? Can I reassign it to someone else completely? Can I automate? Can I outsource? Can I delegate? And if I can't do any of the above, I'll do it myself. Now, the good news is, as I said um, at the beginning, I wanted to create an online course, a signature course from the moment um, that I created Kiwi Boss, and I have finally done it. It's called the Leader's Guide to Performance Management. Uh, it's uh, setting out to help people managers motivate staff, delegate work effectively, give feedback and perform constructive performance reviews, and manage poor performance. Now, if you've attended um, this webinar this evening, I'm happy to give a 10% discount. If you are a people manager and you think this could be useful for you or anyone within your team, just feel free to get in touch. We've got a testimonial here, which you can have a quick look at.
And if you would like to link in with me after today, um, please feel free to do so. I am now going to be answering any questions. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Julia. Really, really appreciate you giving all of your perspective on such a relevant topic. Um, so everybody, we do have the opportunity now to use that Q&A function. Um, so definitely feel free to pop your questions into the Q&A if you've got some. We also have another person who's joining us for this question time just to provide another perspective. Um, so I'd love to welcome Kim Anderson-Smith. So Kim is another member of our Flint lead team here in Christchurch. Um, she's currently on the road, which is why she's recording this. Uh, she's live, coming to us live from down south in a vehicle, but great to see you wearing your Flint t-shirt, Kim. Kim's got um, her own unique experiences uh, with uh, the big quit. And so as a result, we thought it'd be really, really worthwhile to um, put a few questions uh, to Julia and to her just to get some different perspectives. While we wait for some of our attendees to put their own questions into the chat, I'd love to get the ball rolling. Um, Julia and Kim, can either of you tell me how did you first identify that you weren't feeling happy or weren't feeling fulfilled? What was, what was it that changed for you that made you realize, oh, maybe I shouldn't be here anymore? Kim, you're welcome to go first if you like, because I have heard a lot from me already. Perfect. Yes. So I think the reason the big quit for me was I was traveling quite a lot for my job and COVID actually came. So I left my job during COVID and I was very passionate about sustainable products. So I decided to start an agri company with a product. Uh, yes, now I'm doing the training for it. <laughs> so, so can, can you identify, was there, was there like an aha moment or was there something that really influenced you to kind of flick that switch and decide it's time to go? Yes, yeah, so I think Julia made a very good point before about burnout. I was highly dedicated to the company that I was working for. So we were doing 80-hour weeks uh, pretty much. And for my salary and the investment in the company that I had, which I absolutely adored, I don't think that it was healthy for my lifestyle. Um, so that is one of the reasons why I decided to personally leave. Awesome. What about you, Julia? <laughs> Yes, I think it was um, a few reasons, but one was, you know, I wanted to empower people. I was sick of just spending so many months on, you know, one file. Like, obviously, I would have a few employment law files, but it, it felt like such a waste that these employers who are otherwise, you know, lovely people simply didn't understand the rather complex employment laws in New Zealand and had mucked up so much that they were now having to face, you know, these rather hefty um, personal grievance remedies. Really interesting. I, myself, while I didn't make the decision to quit, that decision was forced upon me last year. I had a redundancy um, because of COVID, but I can definitely relate to this topic in a big way because I, my aha moment came afterwards, you know, in terms of, okay, well, now things have changed. That's out of my control. How can I reevaluate this? Was I truly happy? And um, there were elements of my job that I really loved, but there were definitely loads of things that I didn't. And, you know, I think it's, uh, it feels a little bit cliche, but, you know, people said to me, 
you'll look back on this and, you know, you won't regret it. You'll see this as a positive. And I really do, you know, I'm, I'm one year on now and I feel like I probably wouldn't say it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me, but it definitely isn't the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Fantastic. Thanks, Sophie. I've got a question which has come through. Um, would you know what the numbers look like for New Zealand rate relating to the Great Resignation? Now, I've just got a, um, a study here from Microsoft, um, which found that 41% of the global workforce would consider leaving their employer within the next year. And that there was a Hayes study here in New Zealand with similar numbers. So I'm not quite sure, you know, how similar, but but I think we could uh, do a guesstimate that it might be um, similar to around that 40% uh, thinking of leaving. There is a bit of a difference, however, between thinking of leaving and actually leaving. A really nice segue from that. I'd love to ask both of you, did either of you ever have a moment where you regretted the choice to leave? March last year, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Um, I think just what, just one thing I'd like to say about running a business is unlike a, uh, a redundancy, um, the good thing about it is you don't feel like you were um, you know, been pointed out or or, yeah, or being thrown out of the company or any or that it's personal in any way, um, and you feel like you've got control. But the negative about it is that you've still got you know, in my case, quite a huge amount of business costs. So if you lose your almost your entire um, contracts that you've been relying on, then you still need to pay those costs. Or well, if you're an employee, well, at least, you know, you don't have any actual business costs to cover. So it's actually more serious if you lose um, all of your business contracts when you run your own business. Uh, the beauty of it, however, is you can just make the change and just get up and get going and pivot. And um, yeah, I was just going to say, I'm sure it's a lot easier to pivot when it's just one person as opposed to trying to steer a yes. really big ship with a whole lot of hundreds yes. of other people. Absolutely. Yeah. The smaller you are, the more flexible and agile you are. How about you, Kim? Did you have any moments where you thought, oh my gosh, I really regret doing that. I don't think I've made the right choice. Uh, definitely several times. I much, like Julia said previously also, I left my company with not much of a buffer. So I probably had about 20K and then my business costs built up a long time. So I had to start doing some freelancing for accounts to get that initial funding because I don't want to have loans also. So really getting grants from the government if you're a sustainable business, et cetera, which is probably 40 pages long, but it's worth it in the long run. But I would never go back. I wouldn't, you, you become quite resourceful when you change um, positions because you're like, how can I make money to do something that I'm passionate about? Um, so yes, I definitely have, but it's worth it in the end. <laughs> nice. How long, how long would you say it took before you felt you know, that confident and that happy that, yes, I definitely made the right decision? Uh, it's on every day. Every day I'm still justifying my decision to leave for me personally. I don't know about you, <laughs> Julia, but, yeah, I'm. I, that's how I feel. 
I think in my business, I'm driven more by the emotion of love rather than fear. And I think sometimes in jobs I worked in, I was driven more by the emotion of fear, um, particularly like in law, for example, you know, there's always that fear, oh, what if I lose for my client, for example. And um, and what I do now, I'm, I'm driven more by love of what I do. So um, I had that emotion straight away. Oh, my gosh, I love what I do. And that stuck by me throughout, you know, from five and a half years ago. Talking about emotions, because I think that what you've just said is really powerful. And uh, for me, certainly um, it helps me probably understand your mindset a little bit better. But talking about that emotional response, where, where did you draw your support from? And was it something that you had to really seek out and you had to identify, right, this is the type of support I need, whether that was, you know, emotional, physical, financial, (laughs) um, mental, or was it something that was forthcoming to you? Did people kind of, you know, step up and rally around what, what type of, what type of support system did you have in place or what type of support system organically formed? Did you want to go first, Kim, on this one or... No, um, I think for me, close family. Um, so obviously, you know, I've, uh, I've got a partner as well. And so um, so that was useful in terms of it not just being up to me to, um, to provide. Um, but I think you do actually have to dig quite deep when you're running a business. Um, you know, certainly friends who are employed don't really want to listen terribly much to you and your business. <laughs> um, probably, um, you know, probably you've really got to um, use one or two people close to you as a sounding board. But after that, you've, you've really got to dig quite deep. Um, that's where I think a co-working space can be useful. There have definitely been uh, times when I worked at what was um, formerly known as Biz Dojo, and there were just a few key people that I trusted. And I knew that they'd keep what I'd say confidential. And I would ask them, you know, this has happened. What do you think I should do? And obviously it wasn't to do with clients. It was to do with maybe business partnerships or um, just strategies. Also, there have been um, a couple of people who have met with me as mentors and um, and they've been helpful as well. Um, but at the end of the day, I think finding online training has been hugely useful for me because I've gone a little bit outside of New Zealand um, to one of them is called Industry Rockstar and I've done some training through them. So I think digging quite deep um, and searching yourself for answers can be useful, you know, writing strategies um, for your business, but also um, seeking out the training which is going to be um, most impactful for you. Cool, thank you. How about you, Kim? What is what has support looked and felt like for you? I think very much like Julia says, you really have to go out and find it. I have I've I was very lucky to have quite a large network of people that I worked with before. And it's just a matter of speaking up, saying that you're starting a business and you'd really like this feedback from maybe connections that you weren't close with beforehand, because you can really build a strong support group by that. And everyone's willing to help in some way as long as you speak up and make the effort and that's where I found I've been very lucky um, speaking to old um, employers friends that I would never think of LinkedIn is also very helpful and like Julia said before the business mentors that you can find through a range of different areas has been yeah 
my support group has been amazing. I wouldn't be here without that help. But yeah, you just really need to speak up, I feel, because everyone is willing to help. And, and do you feel like transparency is a really big part of that? Like actually being open about, you know, the reason why I'm leaving is because I want to start my own thing. Let me tell you about it. This is 100%. This is yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Cool. 100%. Which is great because I think that, I think that, um, you know, certainly there are plenty of us who can probably think about experiences we've had where we've worked for employers where maybe transparency hasn't really been valued. And, you know, going back to what Julia said before about that culture of maybe looking through a lens of fear and feeling like, you know, I, um, uh, you know, I, I can't be totally open. I can't be totally me. So that's, that's really refreshing to hear that you found that that was really pivotal. Um, Julia, I'd really love to circle back to you. Um, you touched on quite early in your presentation about that balance of wanting to leave your full-time employment and strike out on your own, but wanting to potentially continue to have some part-time work. Can we talk a little bit about, you know, just that, that sounds like, uh, that sounds like a big risk to bring that up. And can you tell us about what it was like crossing that bridge? Yes. Um, well, I am married to an accountant, so I'm going to preface it with that. <laughs> that um, he So you know all to- about risk versus reward analysis. <laughs> yes, yes. Then he basically said, yes, you can go out and do your own thing, but you've got to be making money straight away. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so how am I going to do this? And um, the wonderful thing about lecturing is they were, you know, it was very part-time. So they were completely aware that I was doing other work as well and completely fine and supportive of that, um, that, that, you know, it wasn't being um, paid enough, that it was my only uh, gig. Um, Also, it was fixed term employment. um, So it wasn't entirely secure. But of course, we, I don't know if I let the accountant know that or not. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's interesting, because, you know, one of the things that you, you know, one of the slides that you had in your presentation was about that, you know, toss up of, great to be your own boss and you get all this control and you, you know, you get to make the decisions and that's really cool, but you know, goodbye to sick pay and goodbye to some of those other like benefits and securities. And it's worth acknowledging that often that's the case with fixed term employment. Fixed term employment has really different rules and regulations around uh, what you get and what you don't get. And depending on how long that fixed term is, that can really affect those things too. Absolutely. Yes, I wouldn't have got much of that there either, I'd like to say. Um, But actually, one point when I actually possibly um, did a double take of whether I should be running my own business was when the 10 days sick leave came about, um, which was from the 24th of July this year. And I thought, wow, you know, that's actually really good if you do have kids who get sick fairly often. Yeah. Hmm. Look, I know that we are pretty close to coming towards the end of our time together. So I would just like to ask you both one more question. I'd like to ask you whether or not you feel like the experience you've had of taking this leap of faith, has it influenced or inspired any other aspects of your life? Definitely. I think once you open your perspective up a little bit, so many opportunities come to you you're more uh, aware of your what's being said and more open to the ideas I think personally if that makes sense nice (laughs) yeah 
I think I have more empathy and understanding for the people that I'm speaking to because I have done people management, you know, within my own business. I know what it's like, you know, that cost benefit analysis and all the rest of it. I, I know, um, you know, I understand a lot of what I'm talking about because I'm also in a similar position to a lot of these SMEs, for example. So I feel like I'm coming from a place of understanding rather than sometimes when lawyers will talk to them, you know, they may not actually have really run a business that might be in any way similar. Um, so, yeah, so I think I come from more of a place of understanding. I've also met some fantastic people doing what I do. Um, I'd never regret what I've done. It's It's been amazing. That's awesome. That's great to hear. And so nice to hear the perspective that it's given you for the rest of your life. Um, so we are just going to wrap up now. What I would like to make sure I mention is uh, if you have really enjoyed this today, we'd love to get some feedback. Definitely feel free to engage with Flint on social media. So we're flint.nz uh, on LinkedIn. Definitely connect with us, follow us, and we'll keep you up to date. Also, if you've enjoyed this and you think, man, you know, I know somebody who would really benefit from this. Don't worry, we have been recording this today. So we are going to load this as a recorded webinar. Um, so obviously, you know, won't have the won't have the ability of joining in with polls or anything like that. Um, and we'll also convert it into podcast form as well. So if you know somebody who might like to enjoy it, but just by listening when they're uh, doing their daily walk or when they're on their commute, depending on which part of the country they're in and what level they're currently at. Um, but uh, all there is to say now is thank you so much for joining us. We really, really appreciate you tuning in. Um, if you've got other ideas of topics you'd like to see covered or ways you'd like us to engage with our wider community, then definitely reach out to us at, like I said, flint.nz on LinkedIn. Uh, my name is Sophie Ricketts. I really appreciate your time. And um, thank you so much. A huge thank you um, to our presenter, Julia Shellcrass. And thank you so much, um, Kim Anderson-Smith, for engaging with us on our Q&A panel as well. Thank, thank you, you so, so much. much